Hello, hello. John Scholes here along with my good pal, employment lawyer, Alex Luciferro. Doing all the heavy lifting. He's got all the knowledge. So I will uh, direct all questions to Alex for this half hour. You want to ask some, you could do so. Employment myths. We are shattering those tonight as we do every week. So feel free to call in with any questions. The main topic for the half hour in between your phone calls, employment law red flags. You have to do something about it if... And we'll work our way through those. But we always start uh, in between your phone calls with the uh, the case of the day, Alex, something that uh, dropped on your desk recently. Pal, what do you got going on? Evening, John. Happy uh, belated New Year to you. It's, yeah, uh, it's the first edition of 2023 for you and I, at least, John and mm-hmm. Alex, tackling all employment law uh, issues. And as you very well said, John, that's exactly what we're here to do this evening. We're here to answer and solve any and all employment law questions and and problems and help you resolve those workplace disputes uh give us a call it's an opportunity to talk about a matter that uh that's on your mind that's weighing you down employment issues uh john as we all know can wear you down quite heavily they obviously affect your entire day they could affect you at home they could affect your personal life it's important to get those issues resolved to get those issues off your chest no matter how big or how small the issue is that you're dealing with at work, I guarantee you there is a solution to your problem. Employment laws in Ontario and in Canada are very robust. They're actually quite employee-friendly. Uh, a misconception out there, John, is that you know employment laws are very employer-friendly. Employers have lots of advantages and can take advantage of the law. It's not the case, especially in Ontario. Our laws are very employee-friendly when it comes to severance, when it comes to changes, to your employment. And so as an employee, as an individual, take advantage of those laws, take advantage of those protections. And again, I guarantee you there are solutions to the problems that you're having at work. Don't let those problems grind you down. Make sure that you reach out to an employment lawyer. Let's have a conversation. Call us on air right now. Uh, if, if you have an employment law question that comes to mind, or give us a call at the office. However you want to get a hold of us, by all means, you should be reaching out to a professional to make sure that you get your workplace dispute resolved. Now, question of, uh, or case of the day, rather, uh, John spoke to a gentleman uh, earlier today who was actually in, in quite a predicament. John, it needs to be said this was a pretty difficult situation for him because he's effectively been put between a rock and a hard place. He uh, is a, an older gentleman uh, in his early 60s, has been with the same employer for about 14 years now, Uh, And he has been off of work, John, for almost two years. He's been on a medical leave of absence. He actually had an injury uh, unrelated to work. Uh, He had a a personal injury. He's been healing up. He had to do a surgery. And he's been recovering this entire time. And I guess the good news is he's on the mend. He's going to be ready to return back to work soon, but he's not ready yet. Unfortunately, despite that, and despite his doctor still Uh, confirming that he's unable to work for medical reasons. Guess what, John? His insurance company, he's been receiving disability insurance benefits. His insurance company has told him, hey, effective the end of the month, we're cutting you off. We don't care if you're not ready to return back to work. We are going to cease your benefits. You're not going to be receiving disability insurance anymore. And that's problem number one, uh, uh, John, because, well, if this gentleman continues to be unable to work beyond the end of this month, Well, then he's still owed those disability benefits, even though the insurance company has told him they'll stop paying. So problem number one, let's add it to the list. The insurance company uh, is going to stop paying him, and that's probably incorrect. And by the way, 
as you very well know, John, doing the disability uh, insurance law show, we deal with that situation as well at our firm. Problem number two, his employer incorrectly uh, has piggybacked on the insurance company's position, and they said, hey, employee, we've heard that your uh, insurance company is going to stop uh, paying you disability insurance benefits at the end of the month. We're expecting you to return then. And if you don't return back to work at the end of the month, well, we're going to consider you to have abandoned your employment. That is the language that they used in their very first letter to this employee, John, in about six months. They're threatening that if he doesn't return to work at the end of the month, whatever his medical condition is, he's going to have abandoned his employment. And we can jot that down, of course, uh, John, as problem number two here because, and this is what I told this gentleman earlier today, an employer is not allowed to do that. Uh, John, an employer cannot just piggy bank a piggy bank back, excuse me, on the insurance company's position and say, oh, if your insurance disability insurance is ending, you need to return back to work, or you quit, or we're considering you to have resigned or abandoned your employment. That's not how employment law works, John. And again, that's what I told this uh, gentleman earlier today. It the doctor, this gentleman's doctor is the judge and the jury when it comes to this individual's return back to work date. If his doctor says he's not able to return back to work at the end of the month, and he may be able to return the next month or the following month or six months from now, the employer has to play ball. The employer cannot consider him to have resigned. He cannot uh, consider uh, him to have abandoned his employment. His employer has to keep this gentleman's job available to him until he's ready to return. Period. Full stop. It's as easy as that, uh, uh, John. So we now have a couple of problems to fix with this uh, uh, gentleman. A, we're going to be dealing with the insurance company here because his doctor, this gentleman's doctor, is quite Mm -hmm. adamant that he's not able to return at the end of the month. So this gentleman's likely owed more disability insurance benefits. And we're going to be assisting him with that process. But not only that, John, we're in a crucial stage here where this gentleman effectively needs to save his job. The employer here needs a lesson on how employment law works. They need to know that they cannot uh, consider him to have abandoned his employment. They cannot terminate his employment. They cannot say that he resigned. They need to keep his job, keep his position, uh, and uh, wait effectively until this gentleman is ready to return. If they don't, John, if they force this issue, this gentleman is going to be able a significant amount of severance based on 14 years of service. He was in a pretty senior role, so he's probably looking at 18 months of severance if they let him go. And not only that, but there, he's going to be looking at additional damages for a human rights violation here. Because this is a human rights issue. You cannot terminate an employee who's on a medical leave of absence. Big, big issues uh, here, John. We're going to be assisting this gentleman, contacting his employer and and effectively telling them what's what and what they should and shouldn't be doing here. And I imagine, and I can report back in a week or two's time, John, I imagine we'll be able to resolve this issue pretty easily uh, and save this employee his job, which, quite frankly, he values very much and he'd like to continue uh, his employment. And that's what we're going to be doing for him. You know, it's it's amazing. This is why we tell people always to call. Just have that chat with you and uh, and your team. First, uh, first line of defense, right? One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to do that any time. It is uh, help 
at employmentlawyer.ca through email as well. We'll get into our topic of the day and our phone calls. D, I see you there. Employment Law Show continues. Hang on. Alex Luchaferro is here to answer all of your questions. We'll get into our topic of the day after our phone call. D, thanks for uh, for hanging on. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm actually calling because uh, my son, he's 15. He's got his first job at one of the local grocery stores. And he's had it for a couple months now. And he always seems to have a hard time with his direct manager. Um, you know, sometimes he loses uh, a little bit of patience with my son, even though he's doing what he's told. I just wanted to know, is it okay for a parent to go in to speak to his manager? Or, like, can a parent play a role here when if my son is only 15? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Dee, and certainly uh, my response would be, listen, there are no legalities around this particular uh, issue. There's no particular law that says you can or you can't, uh, you know, engage your son's employer on his behalf. And certainly if, you know, as he's a minor, I see absolutely nothing wrong with that, uh, right? I think if you're going to be approaching his employer and having a conversation maybe about the situation, or maybe clearing the air with this particular manager, as long as it's done in a professional and respectful way, absolutely have at it. You know, I would do the exact same thing, and I'm sure many others would do the exact same thing in that situation. There's nothing inappropriate uh, about it, again, as long as it's done in a professional and respectful manner. So, you know, certainly as an employment lawyer, you have my blessing, uh, Adi, and I think that makes uh, good sense. Uh, you know, and, and it's a good lesson out there as well that, you know, no matter your age, no matter what kind of position uh, you're employed in, you know, you should, and, and this is, applies to your son as well, for that matter, you shouldn't feel shy in the workplace to speak up if someone is mistreating you, or if you feel as though someone is mistreating you. Report that behavior to an HR person, to, a, you know, to another manager, perhaps to someone you trust within the organization. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely nothing wrong with those kinds of conversations. In fact, the law protects people in those situations that want to, uh, you know, in, you know, raise a concern of bullying in the workplace. And, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I, I don't know what degree of behavior is happening in this particular case, but really whatever the situation is, you should be reporting yeah. that to your employer and letting the employer engage in a process whereby they get to resolve that problem. Yeah, because I certainly don't want to make things difficult for anybody. I just... I just want to make sure that my son is being treated okay because his most recent trip to work, he, I picked him up. He said, he, you know, that his manager was losing patience, kind of raising his voice, and he felt nervous the whole time, and that's not a good experience in my opinion. So I just wanted to know if I could, you know, have a chat with him. Yeah, respectful completely. Uh, I just want my son to be treated fairly. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, it, it needs to be said, you know, in the workplace by default, you know, even even between adults, right, there's always going to be uh, some degree of equal inequality there between a manager and an employee, right? There's a power imbalance there by its very nature of, of the relationship. And that's even more so the case with a minor, you know, with a 15-year-old in, in this particular case. So you have to be very, very cautious of a situation like that. Make sure this particular manager isn't taking advantage of that power imbalance in an inappropriate way. And so absolutely have that conversation. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And, uh, you know, if I was the employer in, in this case, I would certainly appreciate having that conversation. 
if they give you a hard time, or if they continue to give your son a hard time, do not be shy to reach out to us again. Let's have a chat off air. Let's talk about the specifics uh, here. I'd be more than happy to do so. Hopefully, your intervention can resolve the matter once and for all, and, and your son can have a better experience in his uh, in what's probably his first, uh, his first uh, work experience. Yes, it is. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dee, uh, for the phone call and your time tonight as well. Again, if you want to uh, have any other questions or carry on the conversation uh, off air with Alex anytime, you could do so. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. But let's get on to this, Alex, and that is uh, employment law red flags. We're going to raise a few here. You have to do something about it if you feel your employer is building a case against you. Maybe that's what's happening with Dee and his son. We don't know, but it's also a red flag, right? Yeah, great, great connecting of the dots. Uh, they're absolutely, uh, John, and we see this all the time. And I mean, literally on a weekly basis, we'll speak to individuals in, in the workplace, uh, John, where they're being uh, unfairly reprimanded or they're being unfairly sat down and spoken to about something that they don't really feel, uh, you know, justifies a reprimand or justifies some sort of discipline. But you can see here a pattern of an employer starting to effectively kind of create a file, document a file against an employee who they may be lining up to eventually let go. Again, it's not Mm -hmm. uncommon at all for employers to take that approach of, okay, well, we've decided, you know, we want to let this employee go. We can't really just let them go, you know, for no particular reason. Maybe we, we want to kind of justify it in a particular way. Let's start writing them up or let's start disciplining them in some way. What you want to do as an employee in that situation, if your spidey senses start tingling and you feel like, again, you're being picked on or you're being Mm -hmm. unfairly reprimanded, you want to make sure that you get your response to the employer, your side of the story, down in writing to them in real time. And, you know, when I say real time, I don't necessarily mean at that very instant. It could be later that day. It could be the following day. It could even be that, you know, at some point that week, John. But if you're being given a reprimand letter or if you're being given even a a negative performance review that you don't agree with, that you think is unfair, in a polite professional email in response, you want to tell the employer that you disagree, why you disagree, and why you believe, again, the reprimand or the poor performance review is unfair in your opinion. That's not necessarily going to change anything in the moment, uh, John. Right. You're not going to, right. They're not going to back down from their position then and there. But what it's going to do is, well, if you get another warning perhaps a few months later, or if you're let go perhaps a few months later, there is now this written, documented record, this evidence of what actually happened at the time, of what their opinion is and what your opinion uh, uh, was, and you have evidence that you effectively disagreed with them Uh, And that helps because ultimately, uh, listen, it is the case that an employer can let you go as an employee. John, we, of course, always uh, uh, say this. It's what we call a without cause termination. Your employer doesn't necessarily have to build this case. But if it's going to, it may be seeking to limit your severance entitlements or potentially let you go for cause, meaning without severance. You want to protect yourself against that. Uh, and you do that by creating that written record. If you're ultimately let go, listen, you can't contest the termination. They're allowed to break up with you as an employer if that's, <laughs> if that's their decision, right? It's a little like a personal relationship in that respect. You can't force the other person to stay. You can't force the employer to keep you employed. 
but you would be owed severance in a situation like that, and your severance will not be compromised if you've responded to those reprimands or, to, or those performance concerns in real time, in writing, back to the employer in a reasonable, measured way. It's also a red flag, and we could do a complete show on why you should got to watch out for this one. And that is, you're already an established employee. You've got the gig. You've been working there for a year, 50 years. It doesn't matter. And then you're asked to sign a new employment contract out of the blue. Absolutely. The uh, the mid-employment employment contract, if we could yep. call it that, is <laughs> a massive red flag. And here's why. And it's a, it's a very easy concept to understand. The only thing that an employment contract will do in a situation like that is protect the employer. Your employer, if you're an established employee, you've already been working with the company for some time, the only reason why your employer is offering you an updated employment contract is because it wants additional protections, additional rights. It wants to limit your severance. It wants to be able to temporarily lay you off. It wants to be able to change the terms of your employment without any notice. All of those things are the new terms that employees see in updated state-of-the-art employment contracts that are being introduced in the middle of their employment. Unfortunately, John, I hate to say it, but employment contracts aren't rolled out in that way to benefit the employee. I mean, fine, it might be in the context of a raise, right? So if you've received a raise or a promotion and you're given a new employment contract, that's obviously a positive situation. It's obviously great news for the employee. But again, I have to warn our listeners in those situations where you've received a promotion or you're receiving a raise, if you're being offered an employment contract that has a bunch of new terms in them, in it that you've never seen before, you've never seen before, they're not in your previous employment contract, well, that should be, again, a massive red flag. There will be language in that document that limits your rights, limits uh, what kind of severance that you're owed and what you can do in response to your employer. Uh, and so make sure, please make sure if you're being offered an employment contract, speak to an employment lawyer about it. If you don't want to speak to me, you don't want to give us a call, it's absolutely fine to speak to any employment lawyer about it. But you make sure that you seek professional advice from an employment lawyer before signing an employment contract. I've seen situations, John, where an employee signs an employment contract that limits their severance entitlement as a long service employee and they get let go a week or two later or a month later, and they have literally signed off on tens and tens of thousands oh, of dollars. Man. It is a terrible situation to be in. Do not let that be you. Even if you have rushed ahead and signed this uh, this new employment agreement, do they not have to give you something, some consideration to make it at least legally binding if it ever comes back to bite you? Absolutely, yeah. That's absolutely correct. An employer has to offer you something more than just the mere continuation of your employment for that contract to be enforceable. So a lot of times what you'll see is, again, for these are for current established employees, you will get an employer offering a measly signing bonus, uh, John, for uh, in exchange for signing these updated contracts. The signing bonus could be nothing. I mean, it could be $50. It could be $100. Uh, not that that's nothing, but it's insignificant, of course, compared to potentially signing off on your severance rights, which may be tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And so, you know, again, be careful for that. Sometimes even a hefty signing bonus will be offered to an employee. It still may not be worth uh, no. worthwhile. The devil is always in the details. And when it comes to these, to these employment contracts, John, the devil is going to be not on page one. Page one is, 
you know, your position, your pay, your responsibilities, the the issues are going to be on pages two and three and four, where it starts talking about severance. The employment contract starts talking about temporary layoffs and changes to your employment, what you can and can't do. Uh, and that's where potentially signing off on a contract like this uh, can leave you tens of thousands of dollars short as a long service employee. Yeah, it's it's scary too because people these things could be very lengthy. Most people don't want to read them, and I'm sure the employer will assure you, say, "No, that's just you know we're just updating our files, blah blah blah. We just need you to sign this and get it back to you." Oh, by the way, here's a here's a keg gift card. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, great, sure, here you are, sign yeah. it, and away you go. And then six months later, wah wah wah, you get let go, and like you said, it could be tens of thousands of dollars out the door, and you've already signed it. You put your Hancock on there, and you're done, right? Yeah, and, and HR will, you know, in, in fairness, quite innocently say, well, listen, we're rolling these out to everyone. Everyone's signing them. Why, right. you know, so you should be signing it as well. And some employees will literally sign on the spot. Right? They won't even think twice about it. They'll, they'll see their salaries confirmed. They'll see that maybe they're getting some sort of signing bonus, and they'll sign right off in the moment. And again, that is the wrong thing to do. It is a very dangerous thing to just sign off blindly on an employment contract especially, again, when you're an established employee, you've been with the same company for years and years and years, and this is, you know, a rollout of a new contract. Again, the only thing that does is benefit the employer. You should not be signing in those kinds of situations. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting when you put it with that sort of verbiage that, you know, hey, everyone else is signing in and they're getting a bonus, so you might as well. I mean, you're going to get a little taste of, of, you know, FOMO in there too, right? Well, I got to get on this. Everyone else is doing it. I don't want to be the odd man out here. Give me a pen. So just just be careful. Absolutely. Again, if this is happening to you, right, or if it does happen to you soon or in the future, you remember this this conversation tonight, always call Alex. And how do you do that? one 821 5900 want to remind you as well, you can email anytime. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And I should mention before we uh, wrap up here in about a minute that pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is a free and anonymous website for you to use anytime. There's all kinds of topics of the stuff we talk about here on the show. And you will have anonymous access to the severance calculator. That tool, which uh, got baked into Pocket Employment Lawyer some time ago, is great because it'll do exactly that. It tells you how much severance you would be owed. If you were let go, the number will shock you, but over 2 million Canadians, 2 million of us have used it and had our eyes open to exactly what uh, what that would be. So so there you go. We're just about done for another night, pal. Absolute Trefero is your guy. Reaching out again one more time, one 821 5900 is how you do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, and we'll catch you tomorrow, Employment Law Show.